Oh no, this happened. How do I move forward? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, yes, you're listening to the 48 Days Radio Show. Hey, this is where each week we take about 48 minutes to dive into real-life questions about finding your passion, then deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day, excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Welcome to the 48 Days Radio Show. You see, a lot of people do that kind of in reverse. They just get a job. They find work first, and then they try to make their life fit around the job. Golly, life is too short. You don't have to do that. Decide what kind of life you want to live first, then determine what kind of work embraces the kind of life you want to live. Well, kind of alluded in the very opening there, you know, oh no, this happened. How do I move forward? Boy, is that a common theme, not only this week, but ongoing. And it's it's common for me as well, as all of those of you who that who I talk to. Unexpected things happen. We've got some things to share this week about that. But here's, I want to share with you just a process that Joanna and I have used for years and years and years. Well, all the years of our marriage, which has been a lot of years. But when confronted with a decision, we allow a two-week maximum for arriving at a decision. Now, that may seem short to you. Frankly, it seems kind of long to me, but it seemed short to Joanne. So that was our compromise, two weeks. But whether it is where to move, what kind of car to purchase, or where to send a child you know, for college, making a career business decision, I mean, how to handle a difficult relationship with a relative, we approach the process as follows. There's five steps to this. Number one, state the problem clearly. Number two, get the advice and opinion of others absolutely essential. Number three, list the alternatives. Do some more research. Then number four, choose the best alternative. And number five, act. That allows us to walk through those steps in a two-week process and to avoid the crippling power of indecision. I mean, yes, we want to you know, bathe that process in prayer, continue to get the counsel of other people who we respect, but really, if we're doing those things and walking daily with integrity and character, we ought to be able to make a decision and move ahead very quickly. Any decision. You can do the same thing. Don't be indecisive. Don't be what the Bible calls unstable in all your ways. Rather, I want to see you walk in the strength, confidence, and boldness that comes from decisive action. Now, here's our well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll wait, I'll hold that in suspense for a little bit because I want to tell you the quotation for today, which ties into that. But here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at. And a lot of these relate to this whole process of how do we move forward when confronted with a decision that needs to be made? Someone says, I hate, I wish you could see that word because the way this particular listener wrote it, it's, it's a very long word. I hate what I'm doing now but can't leap straight into my dream vocation. We'll talk about that. Dan, can I borrow money? 
to launch my dream career? All right. How can I get the coaching with excellence experience now that the sanctuary is off limits? Well, I've had a whole bunch of you that have uh, offered condolences and good suggestions. And I'll tell you some of the things that we're doing to um, bridge that gap right now. Dan, how can we nurture the entrepreneurial spirit of our children? And of course, I've got good news this week as always, and a whole lot more questions if we can get to them. But here's our quotation for the day. And you'll understand how this fits based on how I've already set this up. This comes from Jim Rohn. Indecision is the greatest thief of opportunity. Now think about that. I mean, I can certainly remember times. I mean, I I would rather live with the infrequent regret of having made a decision too quickly than the ongoing angst of not being able to decide. I don't want to live there. So I know that I'm going to pull the trigger too quickly on some things, but I'd, I'd rather risk that than having indecision cripple me. I mean, I've seen parents who in the process of deciding, agonizing, agonizing over where to send a child to college. And all of a sudden, you know, they couldn't make a decision about anything. It eroded their ability to be decisive in other areas of their life. And that's exactly the process that the Bible lays out so clearly. Well, indecision is the greatest thief of opportunity. You'll hear that as kind of a continuing theme for today as we move ahead. Well, Cliff Feitner, our poet laureate for 48 days. You know, he's got the 48 poems that he's already created, adds new ones every week. Here's the one for this week. Are you just one of the guys who ask all their peers to advise? Get off of that stoop, away from that group, reach up and go for the prize. Well, I love, love that philosophy there, Cliff. Thanks for sharing that. And it's encouragement to all of us to hear those weekly poems. Well, here's, here's some, just a couple business news things that I wanted to pass on. There is no place at this time in the U.S. where a person working a full-time minimum wage job could afford to rent a two-bedroom apartment without paying more than 30% of his or her income which is a common budgeting standard. You should never pay more than 30% for your housing needs of your income. But there's no place where that would be possible with somebody working a minimum wage job. Uh, Nationwide, you would need to earn $21.21 an hour on average to afford a two-bedroom home, nearly three times the federal minimum wage of $7.25. Now, this is not going to be a big issue for most of you who are listening to this because you already are taking action. You're not in that minimum wage job, but you know, so that shouldn't be an issue. I mean, what the minimum wage is should never be an issue for any of us. I mean, here where I live in Franklin, Tennessee, you couldn't get somebody to stand and count cars going by paying a minimum wage you know, 725. Trust me, there's no way. I mean, anything where you breathe and show up is going to start at 12, $14 an hour. I mean, my mailbox gets stuffed with notices from UPS, you know, part-time jobs, $14 an hour, Home Depot, $16 an hour. So it shouldn't be an issue, but you ought to be able to start working your budget. Even if you are not making a hundred thousand dollars a year yet, And also do what I advise to do, be investing 3% of your income back into your own personal development 
If you do that, that's the quickest way I know to elevate yourself out of where you are currently. If you invest three to 5% of your income back into yourself, your own personal development, that income is going to start coming up. And all of a sudden you are making a hundred thousand, you know, where I suggest invest in 5%, that's $5,000 a year. You'll have to decide where do you want to invest that and go into workshops, seminars, online courses, training books, and so on. Well, here's another note. Your next job interview will likely happen via text message, says Kelsey G. in the Wall Street Journal. With job candidates increasingly slow to pick up the phone or respond to emails, employers are conducting more early stage interviews via text. They know that, you know, the younger people, the millennials are watching those text messages come in. They may not respond to an email. They aren't going to respond to a physical mail, but they're going to respond to a text. So a lot of companies now are using that as part of the interviewing process. Well, here's, here's some good news. This happened in, um, where is this? Oh my gosh, I lost track of where this was. Anyway, some bikers, the motorcycle riders, escorted a bullied 10-year-old to school with dignity. After being mercilessly bullied and made fun of, Xander Rose was given a day at school that he won't soon forget. Oh, here it is, Sydney, Nova Scotia. So last Wednesday morning, there was a whole entourage of tough-looking, leather-wearing bikers that showed up to escort him to school. So they escorted him to school right past all those guys, the kids who had been bullying him. They gave the kid a leather jacket to wear showing that he's part of the club. And if anybody messes with, with him, they're going to have the bikers to contend with. Is that a cool deal? I, I just love how that unfolded. Well, there was a ride at Six Flags Theme Park in Lake George, New York, where a young girl, well, 14-year-old girl, was somehow got on the outside of the sky ride gondola. 25 feet above the ground. Now, it was certainly irresponsible on her part for getting out. It was not like there was a faulty ride or anything wrong with it, but she got on the outside just goofing off and was hanging down, but they realized what was going on. They stopped the ride, and a bunch of the park goers got together, a bunch of guys got together and created a human net underneath her, told her to drop. She did drop. I mean, I watched the video of it, and she just landed perfectly. No harm done at all. I mean, that's a fun thing to do. Again, I love these kind of stories where common people take the initiative to do something, to do something right. Do something that ought to be done. Don't wait on the authorities. Don't wait on park security. Don't wait on the ambulance to show up. Just do something. Do something right. Here's another story that is in the same category. The title is Jail Inmates Rushed to Save Fallen Officer Rather Than Escaping. Now, this happened. This was some inmates at the Polk County Jail in Georgia. They were working outside during a recent morning, just last week, and it was pretty hot. So these are, there's six guys, six inmates who have on their you know, striped outfits, they're working, you know, you see them, you know, working alongside a road or something. We're out in the field working just a, a work detail. Their security officer collapsed unconscious. He, the heat overtook him. 
Now, at that point, these six guys could have taken the van and his gun and sped away. But instead, they were only concerned with the man's health. The inmates rushed over to the fallen officer, found that he wasn't breathing. The convicts then removed his gun belt and bulletproof vest so they could perform CPR while one of the inmates used the officer's phone to dial 911. Is that cool or what? By the time emergency medical personnel arrived to help, the guard had started breathing again. Although struggling with the breathing, the officer was then taken to the hospital where now he's recovering from the incident. Family members of the fallen policeman bought lunch and dessert for the six men as a thank you for their kindness. Additionally, Polk County Sheriff Johnny Motes said that he would be shortening the jail sentences of the six men by about 25%. The inmates, however, believed that it was simply the right thing to do. When that happened, in my opinion, it wasn't about who is in jail and who wasn't, Greg Williams told the news. It was about a man going down and we had to help him. Tell you what, if you question the goodness of humanity, you need to be hearing stories like this. I mean, that's why I include them. That's why I, I love these kind of stories. I want to be, I want to hear about how good people are, not about how horrible and negative they are. That's a different kind of thing. Well, here, just a couple more here and we'll get into the questions, but there, there's a town called Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. Now it's, it's a small town, but they just elected a pit bull as their town mayor. Now this was not an accident. This was not something unexpected. They just decided to do this. So there's a three-year-old pit bull named Bryn, who's just been elected as the new mayor of Rabbit Hash, Kentucky, in a landslide election of 3,300 votes. Now, Bryn reportedly managed to best several other candidates, including a donkey, a cat, and a chicken. This is the fourth dog in a row that Rabbit Hash has elected as a mayor. Now, the town's tradition for dogs as mayor came about back in the 90s when the residents agreed they didn't really have a need for a mayor. They get together and make decisions. Again, just a a wonderful community in how they make decisions. So they started electing animals in a truly representational democratic fashion. Now here's the deal. Everyone in the town spends a dollar to vote for the new mayor. So once the election is concluded, all the money goes right back into the community. So this year they just voted and Bryn, the pit bull, is the new mayor. The election funds are going to go toward rebuilding the town general store, which burned down in an electrical fire. So they have $3,300, a new mayor, and they have funds to rebuild the general store, the town general store. Is that cool or what? Well, hey, you've heard me talk about Jim Cockrum on here. Jim is the Amazon online sales guru. Silent Sales Machine, his book is now going into its 10th edition. He's updating it right now as we speak. Two weeks ago, Jim's house burned. It was on a Tuesday during the middle of the day. It was like 1130 in the morning. And it was one of those just real quick electrical storms passed through, you know, lightning and thunder and lightning struck his beautiful, gorgeous house. That's up in Indiana. By the time they discovered it, now everybody got out. Okay. Everybody's okay. But 
It started in the attic because of the lightning strike. And pretty well, well, it, it did. It's destroyed his house. They're going to rebuild. They're stripping it out all the way down to just the structure. And they're going to rebuild it. They'll be out of the house for probably 8 to 12 months. Jim's attitude about that is... What does this make possible? Like I talked about last week, what does this make possible? I mean, Jim has an online business. He says, my goodness, there, there wasn't even a downturn of any kind. As a matter of fact, things are increasing in the two weeks since his house burned. Now, this is a home-based business, but because it is online, because he's using a lot of the principles we talk about here, there's no downturn at all. He's just like, wow, he's ready to go. Great attitude. This is the kids are spending more time together. They aren't watching TV or doing video games. It's like they're on vacation. They've got a house that they've rented for that period of time where their own house will be rebuilt. They're able to kind of dream and plan and change some things and make things better. They had great insurance. So it's just one of those, a great example about somebody who had things in place, but had already built a life that they loved. So this little unexpected incident did not derail them at all. They're just moving forward, heads held high, having a lot of fun in the process. Great example. Love Jim's attitude about that. Just a great guy and a great family. Incidentally, I'll be speaking at Jim's conference, which is going full steam ahead, uh, CES in Orlando in September. I mean, check that out. If you're doing anything online, you need to be there. This is online information on steroids and the people that show up are people who have track records of doing extraordinary things online with pretty much everything you can imagine i'll give you more examples as we get closer to the time but it's in september toward the end of september um, i'll be there uh, doing the the opening kickoff message for the group on that thursday morning so i'd love to see you there We'll get a 48 Days Eagles group together there in Orlando and uh, have lunch together or something while I'm down there. I'll have to see exactly when that's going to be. Speaking of the 48 Days Eagles, on Monday, this last, every Monday we have a Monday mentor call where we have experts come in, uh, people like Jim Cochran, but other people that we have come in and talk about a particular area of expertise on Monday afternoons. So it's just, it's an open call. People can get on. They, we can bring them right into the call where you can see them, get their questions and all that. Well, this last Monday, I just, I opened and I talked about how to deal with change, how to deal with change. So it was really like, uh, I've had a lot of people tell me it's like a live podcast. So people are asking questions and I'm answering them in real time when they're right there. So I'm going to be doing that once a month, people have asked, I listen, and I'm just committed. I'm going to do that once a month where that call will be an open call where we'll take a topic. You can ask questions and we answer them live right there. And that's happening in the 48 days. Eagles, check it out. 48 days, eagles.com. If you're not yet a member, people are coming in every day. We're having a lot of cool things that are happening there and having a lot of fun with that group. Now it is regard as regard to, to indecision. In Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill said, indecision is the seedling of fear. Indecision crystallizes into doubt. The two blend and become fear. I've seen that played out time and time again. Again, I, I referenced that in the Bible, James chapter one, but let him ask in faith without doubting for the doubter 
is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. Well, we know that indecision is a crippling characteristic. Indecision in one area will carry its negative effects to other areas of life. I've seen frustrated workers who remain in toxic corporate cultures because they're unable to decide to move on. I've witnessed business owners who slowly fail as they just feel unable to make the decision to stop their deepening hole. Got some painful stories in that regard. Well, let's move on. Just where you know how destructive indecision can be. Well, here's a question. This comes from Dana. I'm currently on day 11 of 48 days, and it's helped me to clarify and sharpen my vision for my vocation. Just don't know how to survive in the meantime. I have my own business, an academic writing service, and I'm very unhappy and want out of the business. I know the work I would love to do is writing and producing theater. I hate what I'm doing now, but I can't leap straight into my dream vocation, and I have to support myself and my daughter in the meantime. So I don't know if I should get a job while I'm working on my vision or start another business. I like working for myself. Don't really want to go back to a job. But to me, starting another business is splitting my time and focus. But I need to do something else quick. I'm miserable. Well, golly, Dana, you, I, I feel your angst there in what you're doing. So you hate what you're doing now, but you can't leap straight into the Okay. So I'm, I'm reading back here, trying to de- determine, I think you are in a job now and doing writing on the side is what it appears to be. If you know that you want to ultimately write, then what you need to do is determine what would that look like? What would that look like for you to be writing full time in in, in generating income from that. Now, traditionally, writing doesn't produce income quickly at all. I mean, if you decide today that you want to write a book and you want to get a publishing deal with Thomas Nelson or Random House or Viking or somebody like that, you're looking at two years from today before you could expect to generate a penny income. It's a very long time cycle. Now, there are options to that. Of course, there are. But For you to get another job while you're then still trying to build yourself up in writing, it's going to slow down the process. It's going to split your time and focus just like you described, no question about it. Look for things. I mean, just do a quick exploration about where you can get paid for writing. If you write well, yeah, you can get paid for that. I mean, there's a lady, Beth Underwood, in our coaching mastery program right now, a delightful lady, and she decided she didn't really want to coach. She wanted to write. She was just going to use coaching as kind of a bridge to allow her to write. And I said, hey, forget coaching. Just go to writing. She writes for history.net. Now, don't just overwhelm them with inquiries here, but that happens to be who she writes for. And she writes very well. She does great research. They contract with her to do two articles a month. They want articles that are 3,000 words. So it's a fairly lengthy article. They want two of those and they pay a thousand, uh, they pay a dollar a word. Now you can do the quick math on that. So she's getting $3,000 each for two articles, $6,000. She can live in that. Her house is paid for them. And it was a delightful convergence to allow her to do exactly what she wanted to do. So I'm not one for stretching out, getting to a dream much when, if you're creative, you can probably figure out how to go straight to that. 
mean, writing has served me very, very well. But my writing, I have, of course, published books. We have eBooks and courses. I have a lot of things by which my writing generates income. A lot of it is in, like in blogs where it just directs people back to other things we have at 48 days. But yeah, you can use your writing. So I, I would tell you to take two weeks, take that two weeks we thought, talked about and just focus on how could you get paid for writing? I mean, just do a couple online searches for that. There are a lot of ways that you can get paid for writing. Get, um, what is the resource? The writer, writer's market, writer's market. I mean, check that out through Amazon. It's updated every year, but it's a, it's a great big volume. You can get it electronically as well. And it's going to have like 8,000 sources in there, places that are looking for writing. And it tells you who pays, how much they pay. Just put a plan together for how you can create your income from writing. If in fact you are talented at writing. Now we're kind of using that as an assumption. A lot of people want to write their story. They want to write a New York times bestseller and their writing skills stink. So be realistic about it. But if you have the talent as a writer, sure, you can make income from that. Becky says, I was listening to the 40 Days podcast um, a couple of weeks ago and you read two letters from people in car dealerships. They're looking for new things to do. I work with dealerships every day and gosh, there's so many opportunities to do things in the industry and within dealerships without being tied to one. They can work for the OEM brand of the dealership. They can look at the vendors that come in. Many of them have salespeople going into the dealerships. Well, you look at dealer consulting. Says I've seen people create companies by starting a side project, creating things such as high quality custom displays for dealerships. Well, and, and Becky says, if you want to pass privately, my information along with them, I'd be thrilled to tell them about my company that had openings nationwide. It's an amazing company. I'm at different places every day, meeting people, making changes at dealerships. Becky, I love your input. I love your heart on this. And I agree with you totally. My goodness. If you've been at a dealership for a long time, look at all the service people that come in, all the vendors that come in. One time I had been selling cars in California. This was years and years ago, right after I got my master's degree and I love selling cars. And then we decided to move from Southern California to Kentucky, Bowling Green, Kentucky, came back and I started thinking about what I wanted to do. You know, as a business, I, I knew I was going to do something on my own. We looked at diaper service, a whole lot of things, but I decided to replicate what I had had a guy coming into my car lot in California doing, where he would come in and do like the pinstripes and door edge guard, wheel up molding. I did that. I replicated that. I started that business, didn't know anything about it, but just started it and very quickly became the go-to guy for new car dealers where I was putting in sunroofs, putting on running boards, cruise controls. I mean, we expanded that into a really robust business very, very quickly just based on doing work for the new car dealers. But yeah, there's so many tangent things you can do if you have a history in the car business that you can start doing. I mean, you might create, like Becky says, you know, custom displays or do the banners or the things that they put on the windshields or hang on the antennas. You know, there's just so many services. You can come in and do rust proofing, paint sealant, lots and lots of things like that. Thanks for your input. Well, this this is titled, What Would Dan Do? And it comes from uh, Vicki, a gentleman, but the name is Vicki. Uh, thank you for your continued commitment to help your listeners find their passion. I went from truck driver to car sales. You got another car sales question here. But after six years of selling cars, I decided to reevaluate my marketable qualities. I've decided that being a barber 
would be a more fitting career for a person like me because I love being rewarded for my service and a smile. And I don't mind getting into the personal space of someone, give them a good head rub after a heavenly shave and a haircut. Interestingly, my Indian heritage is of barbers, including my last name is a representation of barber caste in northern India. Well, how interesting. This aligns with my career goals of becoming a service printer without a bricks and mortar business. I'm inclined more toward a mobile business. This five-week course I want to take will cost me $5,000, and that includes staying in the neighborhood city neighboring city for 12 nights of boarding, lodging, my school fee, I get three weeks of paid vacation. So I've saved up $2,500 so far. I can save another 500 by October when I plan to do the course. In this situation, would Dan borrow the rest from the line of credit and get in the game this year or wait another year to save the rest? On a side note, I'm a 43-year-old dad who can't wait to be able to pay for extracurricular activities for my two girls, for my extra income. Although waiting one year won't change anything except everybody will be a year older, but I've already lined up part-time gigs in two reputable shops in my city to pay off the borrowed sum in less than a year by working as a barber. Your thoughts? Oh my gosh. Well, what we're talking about here, Vicki, is the opportunity cost of waiting. You're 43 years old. You know exactly what you want to do. You have a course lined up that's going to get you up and running. You already have work lined up after that, promised based on your skills as a barber, man, I'm saying go, 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 go now. I mean, th this is not like buying a big screen TV or going on an exotic vacation. It's an investment in what can be a quick return and the beginning of an upward swing in your sense of fulfillment and your income. I mean, I had, I had a guy a while ago who was already driving truck. I mean, he, he knew logistics of truck driving really well. He wanted to be a FedEx driver. I mean, they got a program where you can, I mean, they guarantee your workload, but you own the truck. So it's kind of an independent contractor arrangement. It's a really cool kind of thing they got going on, but he needed $12,000 for the truck, but it was no problem because FedEx would loan him the money and simply take the, it was like $367 a month out of his commissions as a payment on the truck that he would then be buying. Well, he said, you know, I've gotten advice that I shouldn't do this until I have the $12,000. Well, based on his ability to save that up, it could have taken him five years to say, and I, there's too high an opportunity cost. I mean, no, 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 just go do that. Go ahead and do it instantly. And that's what I would recommend you as well. Man, get in the October opening for this barber school I mean, be judicious about not having to borrow more money than you need to. I mean, look at uh, Airbnb for a place to stay or just put out a post on, a, on needing a place to crash for that time. I and mean, golly, we just, had, we just had three guys who spent a week here at the sanctuary. They were in town for a Ray Edwards event, needed a place to stay. We just let them stay here. Didn't charge them anything. I mean, you'd be surprised that the generosity of people, if you're just telling them what you're doing, you're making a better life for yourself and your, your family, you may be surprised how easy that is to put together. But I say absolutely yes, go in October. You're clear on what you want to do. You got a clear plan. Just need to get through that training. Go, 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 go. Give us an update after that. You know, there's, there's a story 
here in Nashville, there's a guy who was with Jars of Clay, the Christian music group, and he was lead guitarist for them. His name is Stephen Mason. And they had been, you know, out there on the road for 20 years. I mean, they're still very well-known, Jars of Clay. But they really realized that they needed to kind of diversify their work. They were losing their creative edge. They needed to kind of expand out. Well, for Stephen Mason, the lead guitarist, that was really clear. He fell in, he says, I fell in love with the experience of the barbershop as a kid. So now he has a little shop called the Handsomizer. It's right next to the Jars of Clay studio. But like three days a week, he's there. He's working as a barber because that was his childhood dream. Now you think, wow, is that a step up or down for somebody who's really well known as a famous musician? Well, it's following his heart. What a novel idea. You, you can find that incidentally. You can find that story really easily. Just uh, just search for Stephen Mason and it's S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Stephen Mason uh, Barber, and you'll see those stories come right up. But yeah, absolutely, Vicki, make it happen. Sounds like a great plan. Well, hey, just a quick insert here to remind you, these are real life stories you're listening to with real life questions. If you've got a success story or a question you want to have included here, be delighted to look at that and for an upcoming show. Just just send me an email. I don't even need to give you all the other options at this point. You can certainly go to 48days.com and just start talking into the microphone that's available anywhere. But easiest thing is just send a question directly to me at askdan at 48days.com. Now, I want to address a little bit because I got so much feedback from last week when I mentioned that we have a cease and desist order for having events here at the sanctuary. Williamson County Codes has decided that we're violating codes um, with uh, pretty much everything we're doing here. So we we aren't going to just dig our heels in and tell them to take a hike. No, we love living in Williamson County. We love Franklin, Tennessee. So we're doing things to see if we can conform. And in the meantime, we've canceled all live events here for the remainder of this year. And uh, not sure that we'll pick those up again. You know, I talked a little bit about that last week, you know, in terms of what does this make possible? Well, I've been inundated with uh, suggestions, uh, sympathy, and all kinds of things. I want to just share just a a couple of those here. Carrie says, uh, one of my yearly goals was to attend Coaching with Excellence. After listening to your most recent podcast, I learned the bad news that you had to cancel all live events. In the theme of your most recent podcast, I'm going to think about what else is possible for me now. My wife and I had planned and were budgeting for Coaching with Excellence in the fall. Do you have any alternative programs you can recommend? I have avoided uh, 48 Days Eagles because of my previous experience with online learning. I did my MBA through an online school, and it was a challenge for me to get the same level of engagement compared to my BSN program. I'm now a registered nurse. Apparently, what Kerry is saying is that um, it really is nice to have, you know, he likes to have more personal engagement face-to-face than just an online version. Certainly understand that. Carrie says also the reason I want to attend a coaching event is to learn how to put legs in my idea of family coaching through end-of-life issues. 
golly, we got some people that are doing that. Barb Barber is one of our coaches who's doing exactly that. She's coaching through end of life issues. I believe I'm uniquely placed to provide this type of coaching from my experience in nursing leadership and dealing with real end of life issues frequently. I often find myself sitting alongside and supporting family members as they make difficult decisions for their loved ones. My target market would be adult children of aging parents who are seeking to better understand how to care for and love their parents while navigating the difficult health care system. Any ideas for another coaching course are greatly appreciated. Thanks for all your encouragement and great ideas. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one more here and then I'll kind of fill in the gaps. This comes from David Peterson, who was here last month at Coaching with Excellence. David says, our time at Coaching with Excellence last month there at the property was awesome. The opportunity to meet and hear from you along with such a diverse group of motivated, forward-thinking individuals was motivating and inspiring. It was just the kick in the butt I needed to ratchet up my business. I now have two paying clients and expect to have 10 by the end of the year. That's why I'm so sorry to hear about the sanctuary and the county zoning issues. Like Joanne, it grieves me to think that others would not have the same opportunity as Julie and I had last month. However, I appreciate your forward-looking response to the situation and particularly the way you treated that county employee. I know this is not the end of the story. I look forward to hearing how the possible becomes reality in the coming days. Standing with you, Dave Peterson. Well, Dave, thank you so much for that. Well, one of the things that we have looked at realistically, I'll give you kind of a short version of this if I can. We have a coaching mastery program that is really our Cadillac in terms of preparing coaches. I mean, you you can find, if you just go to 48days.com and search coaching mastery, it'll take you right to that with all the details there. That is alive and well. We were requiring coaching with excellence as a prerequisite to the coaching mastery program. We no longer are. Now there's multiple reasons for that. Not the only one being that we're not having a coaching with excellence. We didn't just arbitrarily say, okay, now you don't have to do that. We've added way more in the coaching mastery program that are components of what we have been doing in coaching with excellence. As an example, in our coaching mastery program, we set it up initially that we would have once a quarter. So four times a year, we would have an online zoom call for everybody in the coaching mastery program. Once a quarter, we moved that then to once a month. When I saw how valuable that was to people and how engaged they were in that, we changed it to once a week. Every Tuesday, we have an hour long call that is coach training, sharing ideas, sharing best practices. We learn from each other. That has added, well, it's added more value to the coaching mastery program than what people could get in just simply two days of being here for coaching with excellence. So we have that and we have people coming into coaching mastery program. I mean, we just, we just had, I think three new people this week that came into that. So we're allowing people to come directly into the coaching mastery program. And there we have a lot of face-to-face interaction because of how we have increased and we've enhanced that program. So there is that, but thank you so much. I mean, the, the suggestions just go on and on. Here's a couple more. Kai says, listening to your podcast, I heard your discussion regarding the issues with Williamson County. If it's just an issue of needing to be an accessory use, you can likely replat to combine your residential lot and sanctuary lot. Yeah, great suggestion. That is one of the things that we're looking at. 
I mean, we have our home where we've lived for 17 years and the property, the sanctuary on it was another parcel, another property that we purchased uh, 12 years ago. We've never combined them, but it would be easy to do that. Just combine them and then the sanctuary would be seen as an accessory building. We still have to have a permit of occupancy if we're going to use it for anything. That's kind of a secondary issue. So that is one of the things they're looking at. But Kai, thank you so much for your offer of help. I may be reaching out to you. I do have, incidentally, uh, I mean, I, I've got a general contractor who's going to come and do the structural kind of analysis. I've got um, neighbor who's an electrical contractor. He's going to come and do the electrical portion. So I'm lining people up left and right. I've talked to a building inspector. I have a construction attorney who is coordinating all of this process. He's in daily communication with the people from the county here who are making requiring the changes. So I've, I've put in place a team that are looking at this everybody's confident we can move this with through this with some kind of resolution, although I'm not sure that that's going to really open the door for live events. It'll, the resolution will be that we can at least have a property that they don't require us to bulldoze so we can continue to use it for family events and have friends stay back here. But that's probably the best that we can hope for. So things, things are changing. No doubt about it. I mean, Joanna and I are, are looking at new options. I mean, I just booked, a house for us in Venice, Florida for the month of October. We're going to go down there. We're going to see, would we enjoy living in Florida? Joanne thinks it's going to be the greatest thing since peanut butter. I'm kind of cringing because I've never been a real fan of sun and sand, but um, we're going to try it out. So we're going to go down there for an entire month. Incidentally, if, if um, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but if somebody wants to stay at the, um, at, at our house here in Franklin, Tennessee for the month of October. I mean, uh, no, it's not going to be free. We got people chomping at the bit, but I am going to make it available for somebody to come and spend an entire month. Maybe you want to come and see if Franklin, Tennessee is a place you want to live and spend a month here. So we'll, we'll be working that out in the next couple of weeks as well. Now this is uh, again from Matt. I'm sure you're getting flooded with ideas on how to work around this. Have you how, what if you had your live events at a local country club, meeting place like a hotel, et cetera, and have evening receptions at your home to keep bringing in your lifestyle to the event, which I'm sure is the signature aspect of your program. I was once invited to an evening reception at Michael Dell's Texas home, Dell computer, which I seriously doubt had been zoned for commercial use. So I suspect there is some way you could characterize the reception as a personal invitation versus being part of the business program. I, I love that, Matt. I love that. And that that's, you're, you're right on track with the, the way that we're looking at it. Our home has always been open. I mean, we have lots of things at our home where we have 60, 70 people show up. So it's not, I mean, the, the coaching with excellence, we always limited to 48. So it would not be unreasonable at all. And we could make a case for that, that these are not business clients. These are friends. Now, I know it's gray area and I don't want to misrepresent in any way at all, but it is certainly one of the things that we are looking at. Okay. Kelly, let me just, uh, eh, I got a time for maybe one more question here. All right, well, let me grab, grab a couple. My husband is in sales. Last year, he sold over $500,000 in products. 
which constituted a little more than half of the sales for the business. He made right about $45,000 last year. Does the ratio of sales produced to income seem reasonable to you? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, that's about 9%. Now, if you are, you know, depending on what the product is, you have to be realistic about what is the profit margin on that. I mean, if you sell a $30,000 car as a salesperson, you're not going to get 9% of the sales price, that'd be $3,600. You're not going to get that because there's not that much profit. So they look at what the profit is. The profit may be $800 and the salesperson is going to get 25% of that, which would be $200. So it's, it's 25% of the net profit, but certainly not on the sales price. So there are too many factors here for me to say. Now, the thing is, if your husband is good in sales, he has a lot of options that are open to him. And there's nothing more transferable as a valuable talent to have than sales skills. So if he made $45,000, are there opportunities out there where he could make $150,000? Probably are. So he may just want to do a job search rather than feeling upset about this and trying to get more in this particular line of work or particular product line identify what is he really good at, do a job search and maybe find an opportunity where there'd be more open-ended opportunity for the income coming in. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to, rather than trying to squeeze in, we have so many questions here. I love the, uh, love the questions that you all keep pouring in here. Going to do a little bit different takeout music today. Uh, this comes from Alan, who just created a new kind of underbed of music for us you know i get so many suggestions from you all the listeners and value every single one of them some of you have said that playing the 48 days song at the end makes it hard it's like two parts of your brain are struggling because i continue to talk (laughs) so uh, maybe it's better just to have music so hey we're always trying different things always trying different things appreciate your ongoing contributions to the 48 days community there's so many things that are happening that I hear about, love to share your successes, love to hear how you're moving into the life that you love, love how you are finding or creating work that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Don't have to compromise today. Don't have to make a decision. Don't have to choose. You could do it all. Love that option. If you aren't part of the 48 Days Eagles yet, I really encourage you to check that out. We've got a lot of new initiatives there. We're creating contests where people will be able to win Eagles trips and things like that. But uh, check out the 48dayseagles.com. If you got any questions about that, again, ask me questions. Just You can shoot those to askdan at 48days.com as well. I'd love to entertain those if you've got questions about how that works. So have a wonderful week. Continue being a light in the world, continue making the world a better place in the way that only you can do.